This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, everybody. Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. You guys, welcome to our For the Love of the Middle series. We just really felt this one in our bones, that that place where I am in my life, and it was sort of creeping up on it even, where our kids are older and launching or launched, our parents are getting older. It's this middle part of life. Our bodies are changing. And it seems like some of these conversations that are so ubiquitous to an entire demographic don't have a lot of traction in public discourse. And we're like, let's do that. Let's do that in our space. Let's talk about being in the middle. And so ironically, we are literally in the middle of the middle series. And we thought this absolutely has to go in the series. Let's highlight the intrepid unsung heroes who often occupy a challenging role in the middle season, which is caregivers. We're specifically going to have some conversation around what it is like for caregivers who are responsible for caring to various degrees for their aging parents. So maybe this isn't affecting you right this second, but a lot of you are in the thick of that right now, or it's approaching right? Or even if our parents are the picture of health, which mine are right now, all parents get older and older. And so it would be naive for us to just turn a blind eye to this conversation, but just because we're not in it yet. It's interesting because in 2015, the National Alliance for Caregiving and AARP did a national survey and they found that about 34.2 million Americans had provided unpaid care to an adult age 50 or older in the last 12 months at the time of the survey. And so obviously, 
with much honor and respect, people have been caring for their parents since forever, like in the whole world. But we are entering a new era, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, of modern medicine, which enables people to live longer. And as my guest so eloquently said, outlast their bodies and retirement funds. And this is new. This is sort of new. And it's certainly not going away. And so I just don't think we talk about this enough. So many of us are in really complicated moments here, emotionally, financially, for sure. And then just plain bandwidth. If we don't plan on some level for this impending stage of life, it just might blindside us. And then you add this other layer on what if you have or have had a tenuous relationship with one or both of your parents. So that makes caring for them even more complex, right? And so, in fact, our guest today had a juncture in her life where all these things were happening. It was so specific, except universal, both a story that she made a documentary about it, which has deeply touched people around the country with its humor, with its grace, with its unflinching honesty. And and we're going to get into all of that here today. So my guest today is Michelle Boyaner, and she's an Emmy-nominated, award-winning filmmaker who formed her own production company called Greeny Films with cinematographer and editor and wife, Barbara Green. Michelle's films have included the documentary features Packed in a Trunk, The Lost Art of Edith Flake Wilkinson, and then more recently, what we're going to talk about today, It's Not a Burden the humor and heartache of raising elderly parents. She's also created award-winning documentary short films that are featured and honored in several film festivals like all around the nation. And then prior to her film work, Michelle wrote a book of personal essays chronicling her own beloved grandmother's battle with Alzheimer's. And that's called, Oh, For God's Sake, Whisper It. She lives in Los Angeles and is a self-identified gap-toothed filmmaker and nail-biter. <laughs> and she's lovely, lovely and smart and vibrant. And I just enjoyed every second of this conversation. And so I think you will too. Please enjoy this just important and necessary discussion with the very, very wonderful Michelle Boyaner. Thank you for the gift of your time today for the show. And I think your work is so fascinating and so marvelous. And so welcome. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And right before I jumped into this, it was the morning call with my dad where he let me know as the concierge that manages his life, what he wanted me to order for him for lunch today. Just right on cue. Right there. Right on cue. Dad, got to run. I've got to run. I've got an interview. That's right. Pastrami, hold the mustard. Thanks. I'd like it by noon. Yep. Yep. That is a good segue in to our conversation today. Let's start here, Michelle. I, I have already told my listeners just a little bit about you, but I wonder if you would just take a minute or two here to share with my community who you are in your own words, where you are in the world, who are your people, and then more or less from the 30,000 foot view, what kind of films you make and how you sort of I mean, who's a fil- who gets to be a filmmaker? It's such an incredible niche career path. Like, how'd you get there? Yeah, well, not for the weak of stomach or heart, yeah, for sure. For surezies. 
or a credit score, I might add. Um, but it is um, That's right. A, Not the path a, to wealth. Cer- certainly, it you know it certainly can be. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm you know I'm a storyteller. I'm a blessed storyteller who's surrounded by a huge community of wonderful, supportive friends and family. We have a real. I can't even imagine like when you're coming in at the end of a marathon race and it's the race is lined with people cheering you on. Those are the people that we are surrounded with in our lives that help us make these projects that help us tell these important stories. I come from a big family. I've always been the class clown at the kitchen table, at the dinner table, at school. My parents argued a lot growing up that, I mean, you know, it's stressful, certainly. Get divorced early, people, but it's stressful. And so I became that class clown at the dinner table, really, to try to break the tension from the parents and what was going back and forth. And so I kind of carried that whole thing of, oh, humor can be a weapon. Humor can be something to protect you. Humor can be the way you can navigate through. And so as I grew older and and became a filmmaker and a storyteller and a writer, I always used humor sort of as the vehicle that helped me get through whatever that level on the video game of life was going to be. And so we use that in our filmmaking. I'm very blessed. I have a wonderful, today is our anniversary. My my wife, Barbara, and I, today is our 31st, hey, I really like you, maybe love you anniversary. And we've been married since it was legal in California, whatever that Amazing. might be, 2008 or 31 like years is a very long time. That's incredible. Congratulations. 310 years for her, but a very patient soul. She is my partner in filmmaking. She's our cinematographer and editor. And we work together on all our projects, Barbara Green. And that's that's kind of the picture. Just lovely, blessed, grateful, and so, so privileged to try to lead this particular story of adult children and, and get the conversations going and helping people know they're not alone. That's so good. We're about to drill down into it's not a burden. But in general... What are you drawn to as a filmmaker? What kind of stories like ignite your brain? What are you curious about? What do you love? Yeah, well, it's so interesting because it seems like the stories find us, right? Like we'll be in our lives and we'll hear something. We'll hear a story about Barbara's sister Joyce had a friend, Greg, and he had been HIV positive and had been given six months to live. And he was going to go on a goodbye and no regrets tour and travel across the country saying goodbye to friends and family. And I said, wait a minute, what? Can I meet him? Can we talk to him? And and within an hour, he had agreed to let us tell his story. And so that was our film, A Finished Life, was telling that story of this this wonderful man saying goodbye to all the people in his life and traveling across the country. Our film, Packed in a Trunk, was the story of a lost artist and a dear friend. It was her great aunt wanting to uncover the mystery of what happened to her. And then as we're on the road with these different films and working on all that still in the background is family and life and all the things we deal with. So again, it kind of all roads right now did lead back to the story of parents and how you can care for them. But it really is trying to tell, shine a light on important stories happening to real people and how we can make a difference, how we can elevate, how we can help get those messages across. Those are the stories we crave. Those are the ones that cut through the fog for us ordinary people on the couch, watching them and consuming them. Those are the ones that sort of, they take the storytelling out of the realm of just razzle dazzle and into like flesh and bones. And that's where we live. That's 
I mean, that's what we're doing in our real lives. And so seeing it represented on screen in a way that is oh so human (laughs) and it's all in there. Um, You spare no truth telling is a profound experience for the rest of us. And the thing about the way we do it, we are just such a small, it's Barbara and I, and we enter any situation where we are small camera. There's no drone shots in, in, in our films. It is so intimate. Wherever we are, they even forget a camera is there. And so it's a conversation, whatever it is that we're talking about, like, it's just a conversation like we're having here today. We're not, you're not, you know, and so it's intimate and you can have the most profound, beautiful sharing in, in those moments. And that's really what, what we strive for is showing up and being authentic and just allowing people to really, you know, let their story shine. So as we sort of steer into the waters of it's not a burden, people are reeling and having a really strong response about the story you're telling around caregiving and aging parents. And I mean, if you just look at it by the numbers, this is an enormous demographic of both aging parents and their adult children who are caring for them. It's just millions and millions and millions. And so this isn't a niche story, even though it doesn't have a lot of mainstream attention, frankly, or not enough, given how many people are looking for community and resources and just this discussion in general. And so it just, in your own words, can you just explain to my community what is It's Not a Burden About? And were you anxious when you decided to tell this story? Did you have to sit on this for a minute? I probably should have sat on it. Let me tell you though. Yeah, it's that thing that you said about just the sheer numbers. Everywhere you look, if you were to look, if you were to really say, once you see this or once you're living it, it's like a zombie movie in a way, because it's everywhere you look, you'll see someone with their parent at the grocery store, at the doctor's office, everywhere you go, helping a parent out of a car in a parking lot, whatever the thing might be. If it's not on your radar, maybe you're not seeing that, but once it's on your radar, you'll see it everywhere. And yet those people that are are traveling that path Gosh, you can feel so alone when you're in it. You can just feel so consumed by feelings of, I don't have enough time to do this. How can I make the time to do this? I'm not taking care of myself, all those things. So that journey came about because I was in the thick of it with both my parents. And I was on the road with another film and concerned about my parents back at home. And how could I, what could I do to split my time looking into cloning, you know, all the things you can do. And, and, and so I talked with friends and, and many of them were going through it as well. So I knew that I had dynamic parents who would be willing to let us film around just, they forgot the cameras were there. But I knew that I didn't want to just tell the story of Morris and Elaine and my journey with them. I wanted to give everyone a way in. So that's how we determined that we would reach out across the country to all different types of families and how they were navigating it and how it looked in different parts of the country and at different socioeconomic levels and and for different ethnic backgrounds and religions and just wanted to be able to envelop people so that people really did realize, you know, this is touching everyone. And so that became the entirety of that collection of stories. At one point, we had interviewed 32 families, and and the subtitle of the film was 32 Love Stories, because it really was capturing that, you know. But in the end, 
over and over again, something that you did hear, although it originated with my mom was, I don't want to be a burden. Well, it's, it's not a burden, you know, it's not a burden. And so that was, we, we cast that wide net and, and reached out and so grateful to the people that showed up and, and allowed us to, you know, spend that time with them and, and be vulnerable and show up and, and let us tell their stories. Mm. Obviously, Michelle, people have been caring for their aging parents forever in every culture. And that's not a new idea. However, we are entering this different era of modern medicine and it is enabling people to live longer. And like you said, outlast their bodies and retirement funds. This is real. This is new. This is different. So from your perspective, what is the most high level understanding of what's going on here. What do you think is the most pressing issue maybe for caregivers? Obviously it's not a monolith. Everybody doesn't have the identical experience. I know that, but based on kind of a broad sampling now of what you've experienced, are there big common needs or feelings among most people? Yeah, I I think you're so concerned for your parents because obviously some sort of a shift takes place for you to even step in, right, into their lives and feel the need to do that, to, to care for them. If you see a cognitive difference, if there's a change, they're forgetting things or mom left her keys on the top of the car and sat in the car and didn't know why she couldn't start the car or, you know, also like just being concerned about are they managing their medications? Do we have enough resources? funds-wise to help us if we can have caregivers come into the home or do they do they want to age in place? All those conversations that many families don't have sometimes until you're in the thick of it and the battle is raging around you and then the conversation starts, you know? And so I think people are just concerned as to, you know, how do I do this? How do I start that conversation? How can I place my hand on theirs and then gently sort of take the reins or when can I take the reins? You know, it's just not knowing. It's like when you're a new parent, like they hand you this baby and you take it home and then you're like, what? You know, well, when you're stepping in with your parents, it's a whole new piece, a whole new version of your relationship and you're going to make mistakes. And, and, but definitely like for me, the thing that became most important and the message that's most important is to try to find support as the caregiver, as that adult child, try to find others who have been going through the same thing and ask questions, talk about what you're feeling, take care of yourself too, fill your tank, you know, so that you can help fill your parents and, and, and help them. So, you know, that's would kind of be it, but it's, it's just the unknown you know, totally. There's not a handbook, you know, there really isn't. And there's not a real definitive, clear answer to, you know, when's the last day I let my parent drive. It's just not clear. It's, I remember my dad, my dad took care of his aging parents really honestly for 15 years, lived with my mom and dad and a pretty high level of care until it finally outpaced him. But I remember my dad saying, that taking his dad's keys was the worst day of his life. And just nobody handed us a playbook for this, right? When when we were, our parents were getting older. And so I appreciate the candor with which you approach this, this space, but also the humor. You mentioned earlier 
I mean, this is your way. You know, this is who you are. You're funny and you always have been, but you used humor in this documentary. And this could be a pretty sobering conversation, frankly. I mean, it's, it's not easy peasy around here. This is, it's challenging and there's parts of it that are really hard, but you, you made the choice to infuse a lot of humor. And then can you talk about that a little bit? Obviously that's your work, but it was useful, I think, yeah, no, in the thank telling. You. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, you know, yeah, when people hear the subject, they're like, oh, you know, and, and that humor has to be, that humor sustains us. That humor is, again, in that same marathon that we're running, it's that little cup of water that helps us in between. And, and it gives you a moment to catch your breath, really, from what what's happening, you know? And, and so it's always been the way. And both my parents are very funny. And even, you know, with things that were happening with my mom, as we're finding out, you know, a, a dementia diagnosis and, you know, we talk with her and we said, well, you know, mom, we finally kind of have this diagnosis. What did the doctor say? And she says, crazy, you know, that that was the diagnosis. And, you know, the point is that I think people, because all these subjects are so serious, they're, they're obviously treated with a reverence, but gosh, we just got to break that up. We got to pinata that a bit. You yeah, know what I you're mean? You're right. We got to yeah. just, we got to let all that crazy stuff come out. We got to, we got to just give everybody a chance to just say, this is absurd or this is ridiculous, you know? And I'm in a stall at a movie theater with my mom trying to like help her use the handicapped bathroom. And we're so frustrated and trying to do it. And it's awkward. And we just both burst into laughter and you can just hear giggling under the stall. And it's us because it's like, this is absurd, you know, and who would ever want to be in that? She doesn't want me to be in there with her. I don't want to be in there with her. And you, you want to share those moments for people because you know, it, it gives them a little bit of a relief. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. So get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. I want to talk about your mom, if you don't mind. You have mentioned in other interviews that you had slash have a complicated relationship with your mom, which then of course made caring for her also complicated as it does. I wonder if you could share with this, however much you feel comfortable doing so, what that looked like for you internally and what sort of hurdles that presented to you and to her really, maybe for that matter, because being a caregiver is already very, very demanding. It's a very demanding job. And so then when you add sort of relational complications and you layer that on top of it, well, hell, I mean, golly. So could you talk through that a little bit? Because obviously you're not alone in that. I mean, 
millions of caregivers had very complex relationships with their aging parents. So that is also a piece of the puzzle that matters. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the thing about it is too, that by the time we get to this place in life with our parents, you are playing a montage of their greatest hits and misses, right? And so for me and for our family, it was complicated because after having this beautiful family of eight children, at the age of 40, my parents divorced. And then at the age of 43, my mom came to a place in her life where she determined that she could no longer be a parent, would no longer want to be the mother of this family. And it's still so hard to talk about if, if you can imagine. And I've talked about it so many times. I'm not sure why today I'm a little bit extra emotional about it, but she, uh, you know, as, as an adult with lots of perspective now, I certainly can understand some of the things she may have been going through postpartum depression. She may have been dealing with lots of other things and boy, you had a lot of kids, but she left the family and my dad and I raised my brothers and sisters and I was 19 at the time but the youngest was three. So three, seven, 10, 13, you know, all the way up, like they were creating a sample set of all the sizes. So my dad and I raised my brothers and sisters, and then my mom moved away. She eventually came back. My dad was very kind, and we we included her in family gatherings, even though all that had happened. But over the years, it became complicated. She had a very close relationship with two of my younger sisters and lived with, with one of them. And when she very unexpectedly passed away, my mom sort of got, went from one sister to another for a while. And then as sort of some cognitive decline happened, that's when I stepped in and knew that I needed to, you know, be the co-captain of the family and, and help her. And it was with anger in my heart, which I'm, you know, really want to make sure people understand that we took quite a journey, a journey of forgiveness that I'm so grateful happened in this lifetime. But it started with resentment and anger. And this is the bed you made, mom, not to her, but in my head as I'm driving an hour south to take her to doctor's appointments. But Sometimes I even created like a trick where I would just pretend like she was a friend's mom and, and I'd be able to be nicer to her, you know, because I was so nice to all my friends' moms because they were wonderful, you know. But again, in our lives and in the film, we take quite a journey together. And I really am able to show others what that looks like. All my mistakes, a few good moments, but a lot of mistakes. And again, if you can find it in your heart to forgive someone while they're still alive, you know, it's, mm. it's really a gift you give to yourself as well. You're right. You know, oh, that's a lovely thing to say. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. And it is possible. It is possible to move into that journey. And really kind of, I've always felt like forgiveness really delivers us from our own prison. It really, that's what it's doing. And if there's relational repair, that's great. Cause sometimes forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean you're entirely reconciled. But it just like, oh, it purges the poison out of your own soul. So I would love just to hear you tell us what you are kind of hoping people walk away with. I mean, obviously, it's going to have wide appeal because it's just so beautifully done. But you're going to attract a lot of caregivers and people who are in that story or approaching it, preparing for it, anyway, slice it. 
And then of course, age some of the said their parents are going to watch too. And, you know, aging parents are in, uh, it's a wide array of need. It's some of it's super, super physical and embodied and some of it's mental and capacity and some of it's both. And so what would you say that you hope your caregivers sort of walk away with? What would you hope that the parents might hear? Yeah, for sure. Because it it does, in the film, just like in life, we cover so many of the different scenarios that can be going on. My dad was managing his own health, but he was a hoarder. And so we had to dig him out of that. And, and, and that was, you know, quite challenging. And I know a lot of people deal with that. And, and the film was completed during COVID. And so we've just started having theatrical in-person screenings and what we're seeing in the audience is what we envisioned all along, this sense of community, this sense of you're not alone, the sense of knowing that you might be the only one in your friend group going through that, and that's hard. But you can look and see all around you and and see people or watch this film and see people that are experiencing some version of what you're experiencing. And so Really, I mean, big on our wall in our office, you're not alone, has been the goal. To let them know they're not alone. Let them know they're not alone. Let them know there are resources out there. Help it be not such a lonely journey. Help it be an informed journey. Help give people an opportunity to bear their own testimony about what they're going through. You know, and and we've received just hundreds, if not thousands, of emails from people who've watched the film already and 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 just want to share their little piece. They just want to say, me too, this happened to me. This is what I'm going through. And to be able to create that community was something that's so important that, as you said, it has not had enough of a light shined on it, is not a subject that everyone's talking about, but should be. And so that is our goal, is to just get this out there because we feel we've created medicine for the people and we just need to get the medicine to the people. Mm, That's so lovely. Before I let you go, what are you working on now? Or what's interest, what's interesting to you right now? Because a storyteller's brain is always roving around. The eyes are roving around finding new and fascinating things to say. Yeah. It's so challenging to take on other projects while you're still like when you have, it's like having another child while you're still, you know, yeah, this know one's not like a, as a writer. I, yeah. I think, yeah, you know, and so, but while this was all going on, Again, during the pandemic, I discovered this wonderful story about a woman in Traverse City, Michigan, named Heather Spooner. And she started an adult pen pal club during the pandemic of her followers on Instagram called the Letter League. And so these are stories of connection of people that connected while we were all locked down and had no idea how that was all going to work out. And she matched people with people who have now become family to each other, who helped each other through the darkest times. And it's these beautiful stories of connection. So we're in post-production on that now, and we'll be hopefully getting that out into the world by the fall of of this year. But it's a beautiful, beautiful story of the stories of the Letter League. So that's, that's something that's in work now. Oh, that's absolutely lovely. So where can people see, it's not a burden, and the rest of your work too, frankly, like, can you tell my community, here's where you find the things? 
Yeah. So it's not a burden. It's not a burden.com and all the places you can stream it are there. There's links, there's, you know, take you directly to it. And also if you sign up on the website, we're going to be doing, we've just had the first one of our community screenings. We're doing free theatrical community screenings across the country. And so if you sign up, we'll let people know where the next ones are going to be. Our work, there's links on greenyfilms.com, which is our production company, but it's not a burden is, is definitely the place to, to go to find this film. Perfect. For all my listeners, I will round up all of these links for you and put them in the show notes so you don't have to go hunting them down. Make sure you have absolutely everything you need to find all this incredible work. Okay, final question. Actually, Michelle, everybody gets this question. Every guest, every series. And I borrowed it, this question from another woman who I respect and admire. And you can answer this however you want. And please do. Some people give us like, Uh, heartfelt, earnest, lovely. Some people give us hilarious, absurd. We like it all. So the answer is whatever it feels like today. Anyway, this is the question. What is saving your life right now? Hmm. Yeah. My wife is saving my life right now, literally. But also again, that community of women that I spoke of earlier, that like total circus troop of women that gather around and support each other. I've two very dear friends who both lost their mothers last week. And oh, gosh. Right. And holding the space for each other. And I'd love for this to have been an, a funny answer, but it's so deep in my heart, so deep in my heart that the thing that's saving me is that group, those that chosen family of women and showing up for them and them showing up for me. And that, that is the beauty of, of what we're all here for. Absolutely. I have a small cabal of women and I've said with no hyperbole, I mean, every word of this, that my, my friends, my women are the, it's like the greatest love story of my life. And so I I have no imagination without them. I can't even get a visual of what life would be without them. So you do not have to explain that to me. One of my favorite poets says the women who walk us home they're the ones. So I love your answer. Thank you for that. And thank you for being here. I'm, I'm so delighted to have met you and I'm always so inspired by creatives who have vision for story and, and bringing them to us in a way that we all get to experience it through your very talented eye. I can't wait for my community to get to sort of see your work and find a place of connection and hope and community. And that's exactly what you do well. So thank you for being on today. No, thank you for having me. And thank you for really helping elevate. It's not a burden to all the people that are going to really benefit from it. Thank you. All right, everybody, as promised, I'll round all this up for you. So if you go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, not only will I have all the show notes here, but I will have every link to all the things, all of Michelle's work, this particular film, all the rest of it. And thanks for being here today. And I just want to send just a special dose of so much love to those of you listening today who are caregivers. And I watched my mom and my dad do this for so long with such grace and 
honor and respect for their parents. And I learned so much by watching my parents do this. And I also know the toll. There was just a whole section of life there where my parents had live-in elderly parents who needed a pretty high level of care and teenagers who hadn't moved out yet. This was kind of after me, after I'd already left the house. And it's a lot. And so I just want to say that I see you today and I honor your work and your commitment to your parents and all that it costs and all that it gives you because there's some so many lovely things too. And so just sending you a special love today. All right, you guys, more incredible discussions to come in the middle series. And I hope you're loving it as much as we are. See you next week.